15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Biblical preaching is applied preaching. Hi, and welcome to the Preaching Points podcast for this week. I'm your host, Brian Hedinga. And today, Haddon Robinson, Scott Gibson, and Jeff Arthurs, our Center for Preaching faculty here at Gordon-Conwell Seminary, discuss the important role of application in your preaching. Now, would you be interested in material that our faculty has written? Well, look no further than the Gordon-Conwell online store where you'll find books that our faculty have contributed to the practice of solid preaching. The website is store.gordonconwell.edu. That's store.gordonconwell.edu. And now let's listen to this week's conversation about application. When you say that a pastor or a preacher needs to apply the message to the hearers, what do you mean by application? Well, one is that drives the whole thing is that you're clear on the biblical truth and then you are clear in what kind of difference it's going to make in the lives of the listeners. And it can have all different kinds of layers of effect or effect on people. I think the term application is not clear in most homiletic uh, literature. Seldom dealt with, in fact. Seldom dealt with. It's it's slippery. It's one of the hardest tasks uh, that the, the preacher has. I agree. On the one hand, sort of a how-to approach, how to pray, how to be a good father, that's definitely application. It's disciple-oriented, disciple-making orientation. But application is more than just behavioral steps, isn't it? Oh, I think so. Application is not just something that you're doing physically or whatever, but application has an impact on our thinking, our emotions, our reactions, all of that. It's worldview forming. Yes. And value so, forming. Yeah. So it's much more broad than simply saying, go home and, and write a definition of what it means to be a believer. Yeah. Although, to loop back, I think the congregation actually craves more of that kind of mm-hmm. practicality sure. and down to earth. But it's not just that. Right. I think uh, you're on to something. If you can take the truth of God and make it clear, and then show people how this would work out in life in some ways. You get credit for being a genius. Uh, And the reason you get credit for being a genius is it's very difficult to do. It's difficult on one hand to be clear about the message. When uh, Napoleon would say to his messengers, be clear, be clear, be clear. The three essentials of being a messenger. (laughs) It's a lot of truth to that, and that's tough to do. But then the second thing it's tough to do is to show people how this can work in their lives, in their thinking, in their behavior. I think there's a danger that preachers have of not knowing how to build that bridge from the ancient world and that revelation to the modern world, so we skip it. And people are so used to that that they figure, well, it doesn't really have a lot to do with my life. 
One practical help uh, from Jay Adams in Preaching with Purpose is to move from the third person and past tense. Abraham went somewhere, somewhere and he did this and that, and they, he, she, they long ago. Move from that to the present tense and either second person or first person. We should do this. We believe that. You should. Yeah, and that's why when you conceive of putting together the sermon, for the major moves, the major points, Roman number one, two, three, four, whatever, that they are stated in the present, not in the past. Give me an example, can you? Um, well, uh, we could say um, everyone everywhere is to praise the Lord. Okay? And then the next move, everyone everywhere is to praise the Lord every day for everything. Third move, everyone everywhere is to praise the Lord every day for everything because God is God. So you're putting it into the present. That's a, a framework for Psalm 100. Okay? But the exegetical outline would have been the psalmist praised God, or he exhorted everyone to praise God. Yeah, for, yeah. So th that's what the psalmist did, but now, Scott, you say we should do that. Yeah. Everyone, everywhere yeah. should mm -hmm. do this. Yeah. It's even more tricky if you say you should praise God, and you should praise God every day. <laughs> when you begin to do that, now you're talking to that audience, and uh, if you use notes, forget it. But if you can look a congregation in the yeah. eye and say that to them, we is a safe term, right? but I think there's real power at times for the preacher to stop we and say you. Yeah, and so it's that recognition that this text really does mean something in the 21st century and being able to build that bridge and not avoiding building the bridge, but actually taking it on, storming the bridge and uh, helping people to see that the Bible does apply to their lives today. So we say biblical preaching is applied preaching. Yeah, that is good, solid, practical advice. In this week's Preaching Points podcast from the Center for Preaching at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, every week we try to offer brief reflections on preaching that point you toward preaching excellence. All right, I'm Brian Hedinga. Hoping that she'll be back next week for Preaching Points. Today on News 4 at 4, one out of four COVID survivors dealing with symptoms months after having the virus. We're working for you, showing you how a local hospital is helping to solve the mystery of COVID long haulers. Plus, Pat Lawson News, Leon Harris, and Sean Yancey catch you up on the day's biggest stories. And Storm Team 4 Chief Meteorologist Doug Kammerer helping you plan for the next 10 days. Working for you, today on News 4 at 4 on NBC4.